0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: So I have Ava Josephson here. Thank you so much for joining me. You are a yoga teacher, a hypnotherapist. You are a mother to a beautiful son named Rumi. We have been friends for a long time. Co-workers at Green Monkey. And you actually taught one of my first yoga classes. And I've told you this before that made me cry at the end. Just your beautiful voice reading from the Bhagavad Gita, and it was just so memorable. So I'm so excited to have you here today.
0: I'm so excited to be here. You have it's funny so, that you say that yeah. I inspire you because you have been such a big inspiration for me for the past ten oh, years. Thank you. And just thank how you dive into things and always open to change, and um, it's it's a little unusual.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think that it is too because. Um, and that's why this podcast is called rebellious reinvention because I have accepted the task of ever changing and follow the call and I bear the pain and the grief and the shame that comes along with that and um, each chapter letting go of that is a transformational process each time. It's not just all fun and games, but I do believe that we shouldn't have as much shame internally as we do around it. us due to society and parentals and just conditioning, you know? So thank you. I really appreciate that, that you see that and witness it.
0: And it gets easier, right? Like once mm-hmm. you get used to changing, mm-hmm. it does get easier. That resistance wears away a little bit. But then, of course, you always find a new area in your life where you haven't changed before, where you've been holding on. And and then you go through the whole process again.
1: Yeah, building those muscles in new areas. Exactly. So I'm really excited to have you on because I think that the way you have enrolled or enveloped your yoga philosophy and the breadth of knowledge that you've had just being a yoga teacher for how long has it been? How long have you been a teacher?
0: It's a little over 10 years.
1: Yeah, 10 years of knowledge and really blended it with hypnotherapy is just so beautiful to witness. And I really like that you work with a lot of people on relationships and internal family systems, which we will dive into like a little bit later, and helping people not just heal habits, but actually heal internal trauma that they've been carrying and walking around with, which, as we know, is such a heavy burden. So can you just share a little bit of how you got into hypnotherapy and what it is that you're passionate about like working with your clients with?
0: Yeah, it was actually a a pretty natural trajectory for me because when I found yoga and mindfulness, that was a huge shift to be able to sit with your emotions and your self-talk and then Mm -hmm. after a while with mindfulness you become very aware of how you talk to yourself Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily always give you the easy tool to change it I remember I used to work a lot with mantra I would kind of like override my self-talk with a mantra on top of that self-talk and that was super powerful at the time because it made me stop telling myself that I was no good or um, I wasn't good enough. But it certainly came to a point where I was introduced to hypnosis and realized that those thoughts, that self-talk is very easy to change if you know how to change it. And then to instead of just kind of like blocking out the negative self-talk, you can introduce a positive self-talk where you can essentially be your own best friend, be your own biggest supporter. And that's kind of incredible to me because that was never the case as I was growing up. And that was never introduced to me. It was only important how you speak to other people. You were told to be nice to other people, but you were never told that it's so important how you talk to yourself inside your own head.
1: And that's such a valid point because like as we're raising toddlers moving into five years old, like our kids are really similar in age, you know, um, you know, we're reading the parenting books, we're learning as we go and as we've learned and as we know now, Our self-talk is learned by our family and our environment, and how people are speaking to us and others in the home generally. And so, can you share a little bit about how that internal self-talk is formed, and why mantra or affirmations, things like that, don't necessarily—they're—they can be temporary fixes, but they don't actually change our inner dialogue.
0: Yeah. So when you're a kid, a lot of times you're told why are you doing that? Even even as far as what's wrong with you or can't you see that you're hurting so-and-so, you're hurting your friend. Um, we don't maybe say straight up you're bad, but when we say what's wrong with you or why are you doing this, we are saying you're bad. And that
1: is... We're, we're using shame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So that is yeah. the self-talk that comes out of that kind of dialogue. Mm. So as a child... And um, when somebody is told, why are you doing this, their internal dialogue is something like, yeah, what is wrong with me? There's got to be something mm. wrong with me.
1: And so how does hypnosis really break that patterning and you become your own best friend through hypnosis? How does that work?
0: So we know that people typically change when they go through very big life changes. Like if you ask a random selection of people, when did you have a big mindset shift? They would typically say, when I moved to another city, when I lost a loved one, when I went through a breakup, (laughs) when I had a severe illness, this kind of thing. We know that. We know that if we just ask somebody or tell somebody, you should change. You should stop doing that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It doesn't create that mindset shift. Instead, it's similar to that toddler being told what's wrong with you. Um, It instead creates an internal conflict. Hmm. So if you want to create change without having to make a huge um, external change, such as moving city or getting a divorce or, or whatever big eternal shift, you have to create the fertile ground for a change through an inner internal alignment. And that's, that's the art of hypnosis. There's many ways to do it. It always starts with a very deep relaxation in order for it to work. That's always the number one thing that you have to be able to really relax in that moment so that you acknowledge everything that's going on inside. What is the part of you that doesn't want this change? What is the part of you that's comfortable Mm. with the way you are? What is the part of you that's rebellious saying, no, I'm not going to do it? Um, What is the benefit of the old way of doing it? And how can you achieve that same benefit? A lot of times it's safety, obviously. If we've been doing Mm -hmm. something forever or for a long time, it feels safe to do it that way. It's comfortable so that part of you that wants to be safe that wants to be comfortable has to receive a way to make this change and still have the benefit of feeling safe and feeling comfortable so you have to be very relaxed in a hypnosis session very relaxed feeling very safe and then all parts of you can speak up and let you know this is why we do so and so Um, this is what we get out of it and then you find a way for your whole being to jump onto this new thing, feeling still safe and comfortable.
1: That's so beautiful. Um, something you said: there's many ways to do hip- to yeah to do hypnosis. So, what is the way in which you were trained, and what is the practice that you utilize?
0: I was trained in a Divine Feminine School of Hypnosis, which is a very intuitive, artistic hypnosis forum so it's very free, and I continue to read a lot and, and grow a lot after my training. I love Richard Bantler. Um, some believe he's the best hypnotist today. Um, the way that he approached people is with endless curiosity, like just mm-hmm. letting go that. of any preconceived notion that you have about how people act, and just ask, 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 ask okay, so when you do this, what happens? How do you think when you do it? How do you feel when you do it? What's the benefit? And get so endlessly curious that eventually you find the root of, okay, this is where this behavior is coming from. Because whenever you know what a, what is the root of a behavior, it's actually pretty easy to change it if there's trust between the hypnotist and the client.
1: So awareness is one of the biggest aspects of creating change. Really finding that spot—that's so beautiful. Something else you mentioned is like what part of yourself, and I know um, you've studied parts work. Can you share a little bit more an internal family system? Just share with the audience a little bit more about that. I'm so curious myself.
0: Well. We always speak in a way that we acknowledge parts, because we always say, part of me wants to move, part of me wants to stay, part of me wants to wake up, part of me wants to sleep in, right? We all have that kind Mm -hmm. of vocabulary. Uh, So we're very aware of it. And in parts work the only thing that you do is you you allow yourself to isolate one part. so okay let's talk to the part of you that doesn't want this new job that doesn't want this change and let's ask them why don't you want it what's your hesitation is there any way that we can compromise so that you can be on board with this with the rest of us what do you need from the rest of us to feel safe to feel comfortable with the change
1: and so it's really about integrating those parts and not abandoning those parts.
0: Yeah. As soon as you abandon them, <clears throat> um, they get rebellious. They become the mm. part of you that is quote unquote self-sabotage, which in a way self-sabotage doesn't exist because even what we call self-sabotage is really a part of you that has a positive intention for you, but it becomes self-sabotage because they're not in communication. So that part of you is like going in its own direction and maybe you're pushing forward super hard, like I'm going to go there, I'm going to do it. And that part of you is pulling you back because it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel comfortable with that change.
1: So essentially it's self-protection. It's just a mechanism.
0: Self-protection is the most fundamental drive that we have. And subconsciously, everything boils down to either self-protection or pleasure,
1: Wow. It's so simplistic. (laughs) So simplistic, yet not a simple experience. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like how you got into your spiritual awakening, how you became a yoga teacher and really, and then, you know, kind of fast forward into like, you've been so honest and vulnerable with how trauma has affected your life and why it's so meaningful to have this healing in your life. Fast forward to like more recently in just the past few years, I've seen a huge change and shift in your energy, in your relationships, the way you relate to the world. And so if you can just walk us through some of that story of like what your childhood might've been like and the things that you experienced that led you to this point and why that's creating such a ripple effect in your community and your clients and their relationships and their healing
0: yeah i mean i had a very difficult childhood i didn't have a good relationship with my parents i didn't have the opportunity to tell them how i really felt about things or feel that i was allowed to and and these are of course very subtle cues that you receive as a child it's not that you're told straight up like hey you're not allowed to express yourself but you're you're told through facial expressions through um consequences and so you learn very quickly as a child what's allowed what's um what's um within the possibilities for you as a child so for me, it was a lot of holding myself back and pretending to be okay when I was not okay. And mm-hmm. typically what that does, it creates a deep feeling within you that there is something wrong with you because you see other people and you see them being free and you see them expressing yourself, themselves and asking for things and being open and honest with their needs. But you know that you can't do that. And then you have to rationalize that in some way. So often we rationalize that by saying, there's something wrong with me, I'm not allowed to be me. If I was me, it would be terrible.
1: Yeah. And that displays as an adult as people pleasing, lack of boundaries, you know, freezing up insecurity. Yeah, it creates all sorts of Issues in your day-to-day or you can explode
0: in rage and anger because you've been suppressing mm-hmm. things, or you can, you know, self sabotage behavior, um, not feeling worthy. Most of all, I mean, how it really always shows up is in your self talk that you're not nice to yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, how did how did you become a yoga teacher and how did you what was your spiritual awakening path
0: i moved to new york when i was 25 i grew up in sweden and um, i wasn't aware of my upbringing and exactly what was going on to be honest i was not aware at all at the time but i had a very very deep urge to leave everything and When I went to New York, I was 23. When I went to New York for the first time, I felt the most amazing feeling of being free. It was like I left those subconscious programs of having to be a certain way. I left them behind. And I realized also the American way, which is different from the Swedish way, is Mm -hmm. when you say something to an American, they typically say, good for you. If that works for you, go for it, right? That's Mm -hmm. not a Swedish uh, mentality. And I loved that mentality. I was like, I can can move here and I can tell everybody, this is me, and they're just gonna be like, good for you. Like, there's no judgment of that. It's just acceptance. At least that's how I felt. Of course, it could be Mm -hmm. different if you grew up in America. I'm sure you have, you know, your own complaints of the culture.
1: Well, there's like microcultures within America too and you were in New York so in a, in that particular bubble too that it's very much like that but it's interesting because I yeah I experience you like that yeah. like when I met you you're just like accepting of all different kinds of people places things you're like good for you and I love that about you because you so you really embody that aspect I love that
0: Yeah, for me, it was that move from Sweden to New York gave me permission to make a lot of big changes. But like I mentioned, I didn't have the awareness yet. So sometimes you have big changes just from um, big life changes, right? You have big mindset changes from big life changes. So I was very free in New York. Then it started to creep up on me, which is also something that is pretty common. You move far away. And you kind of leave a lot of your old programming behind you feel very free and then you start in my case you start having nightmares and in my nightmares i would see my old self my younger self still in Gothenburg Sweden still suffering and I would wake up and and be like, "What does this mean?" And I always had a very very deep interest in dreams and the subconscious mind, so I paid a lot of attention to my dreams. And when the dreams started getting very intense like that, um, it, it was it was very upsetting for me. And and I started actually after three years in New York, I started feeling very burnt out. I started feeling like I been very free i tried so many things i expressed myself so much but i didn't yet have the ability to really take care of myself to really see what i Mm -hmm. needed and and that started showing up more and more um and i got the opportunity to go to miami for a few months supposedly for a job and once i was in miami i started to calm down a lot It was a very calm place i was able to really sit down and start to um journal a lot go through like i was one person in sweden then i moved to new york i was another person what really happened what is it that i'm going through like why am i going through this what's going on subconsciously and then around the same time i started getting very interested into yoga I had a yoga class um, where in Shavasana, the end relaxation part of a yoga class, I had a huge feeling of bliss. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Some people will call it maybe a Kundalini awakening or I mean, it Mm -hmm. all depends on, you know, where you're at, what you call it. But it was just me feeling more amazing than I ever felt in my whole life. Mm -hmm. And in that moment... I decided I wanted to be a yoga teacher because I wanted to have that feeling again. So, I mean, the first motivation for me to become a yoga teacher was simply, I want this in my life. Like, this cannot be a one-time thing that I feel so amazing yeah. and happier than I ever felt. So so that's how it all started. And uh, around the same time, I learned TM meditation, transcendental meditation, And just sitting in TM, you use a mantra and you just sit with that mantra and just realizing that when the thoughts, when the negative thoughts are gone, you feel really good. You're really okay.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I relate so much to that story. Like I mean, I couldn't touch my toes when I started yoga. I scrounged. I was a bartender. I had plenty of money, but I don't know where the money was. I had spent it all. And I (laughs) literally was feeling so terrible. Like my body, my mind, I was probably extremely hungover and strung out as I was back in those days. And I like literally got like the jar of quarters and like dumped it out, took it to the bank and bought a Groupon to go to – Ashtanga Kinos Yoga Studio Mm -hmm. in Miami Beach. And so I walk in and I'm like, I'm here for the yoga class. And they're like, Well, you can't come here to this class unless, because it's Ashtanga, unless you're gonna come for the next 28 days, like at least five days a week in the next thirty days. That was the verbiage. And I was like, Well, I just Bought this group on, and my life is awful, and I want a deep change. And so that was my first experience with yoga. I couldn't even touch my toes, but I very much remember that those first few times, that feeling of bliss, and like your body kind of just being so wrung out from all the stress and all the toxins, and just laying there at the the end in savasana and feeling um, like enough. And I think that that, you know, that feeling of bliss, it's not excitement, it's not desire for more, it's like actually the feeling of, of contentment and, um, within, and then I got, got another group on and that's how I found you and your yoga class. And, um, and then I went on probably within six months from there becoming maybe less and I became a yoga teacher and it changed the whole trajectory of my life. Um, so tell me how you got to the point because you you became a hypnotherapist and got your certification after you had your son. Yeah. So what about that w- becoming a mother led you to the point of becoming a hypnotherapist? Because I know personally, just through conversations, you met a lot of your trauma after you had your child like becoming your own mother or becoming a mother yourself you realized in in reflection what motherhood is supposed to look like and so is that part of what led you to hypnotherapy
0: yeah that's exactly what happened so even through my first you know five six years as a yoga teacher even though i was meditating daily and you know practicing a lot of mindfulness which gave me a lot of soothing you know it's very soothing very healing in the moment like you say you feel enough you feel good um I hadn't gained the awareness of what really happened to me and that was it actually started when I was pregnant so midway through the pregnancy I went to Costa Rica to do a one-month training so I'm one month totally isolated in, in, in the jungle and I'm pregnant and it's beautiful. I mean, everything is, is, is amazing around me, right? It's like a dream. Uh, we're meditating, we're practicing yoga, surrounded by loving people. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing nothing bad going on.
1: It was idyllic.
0: Idyllic in the nights. I started having nightmares where I was so incredibly angry at my mom. Like mm. like so angry that I wanted to punch her in the face. And that's horrible, right? You have a baby in your belly, you want to go through that. Um a lot of women talk about that phase where they're like and I started to appreciate my mom so much and everything she's done for me, you know? Mm. And that's what I thought would happen and that's what what I was hoping for and instead I got the opposite so 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 that was my first premonition that wow something is something is going to go down and then um, after Rumi is born I'm basically just holding him in my arms the first weeks and months and my whole body my whole mind is just 100% sure that Something was really wrong with my relationship with my mom.
1: And so I remember during that time, like there was like palp, you were palpably angry. I mean, you were angry at yoga pants at one point. Was <laughs> but, like, I'm never wearing yoga pants again. These were made by men just so you could see our butts. I don't remember exactly the verbiage, but I mean, there I'm was a lot of about that. You're angry, like, me and me of. Yeah. Yeah, I was super It fit. was funny. You were you were wearing like really ba- baggy pants and yeah. um like flowy dresses and you were like I'm never conforming to yoga pants again and then and and who cares if I ever handstand again Yeah, because she was the queen of handstand workshops um yeah but you have hand you do handstands and in fact you you are part of a yoga teacher training where I'm sure there's many of handstands to be had and yoga pants um
0: yeah we're but, all yoga pants again that uh, didn't yeah. live for long yeah well, no. it's true it's such a good point that you make I love that about you you're very absurd but um yeah i was really angry and um and i think yeah like the way you dress and what you do and what you say it's all an expression of what's going on inside so that makes a lot of sense and um
1: Well, and it it goes back to what you said about, you know, as a child, when you have this inner dialogue, that whatever it is that you do doesn't fit into the box and the mold of how your parents want you to behave. So that means there must be something wrong with me or you as a child. Then when you, when you do grow up and you let that like i always thought as oh you're just a people pleaser you're just sweet and nice and trying to be kind but i never really thought of it as the rage that must be boiling inside that you're just suppressing on a daily basis so that talk about part to be able to be nice yeah. You know, yeah. to be able to be nice and sweet to everybody, you're just pissed all the time. Yeah. And so, I always like to say like when, you know, you don't just have a baby, you birth a mother and like birthing a mother is such a transformational experience. Like you have to become a new person, integrate the old, be a good mom, be a good partner, heal the lineage between you and your parent if there needs to be healing and repair there is always healing and repair that needs to be had. And sometimes, like you said, more respect is built and admiration for your parents. Mm -hmm. And sometimes more resentment arises. And like, I can only imagine how much you had stuff down that you were just like, it's not them. They're the adults. It must be me. Um, And I went through several years of absolute rage and anger at my father. I had actually kind of been pretty resentful towards him for many years, but I think after I had my daughter, I think there was a subconscious thought pattern that I actually didn't really recognize that this must be it. It was like, I didn't realize it came after Samaya, I guess, Mm -hmm. my daughter. But it must have been, I would never do that to her. So how could you have done that to me? And it wasn't even intentional abuse. It was just bad decision making as a parent you know they were doing their best but i had a lot of resentment and through actually hypnotherapy somatic experiencing coaching therapy all the things in the last year i would say i really released that resentment and we have a very good relationship now but um that's wonderful the the rage is real thank you the rage is real though
0: yeah Um, it was it was very real for me um i'm glad that i I've released that too. Um, I mean, as much as one can in any given moment, right? Mm-hmm. Because it could always come back. Um, yeah. But I, right now, what I do feel is I really want the best for my mom. I want her to be as happy as she possibly can be. But I also feel very strongly that I need to protect myself and.
1: Tell me about that. What does that look like? Because I think that is so, so relatable. Not every parent is willing to do the work and evolve and heal and have conversations, nor, and on the other side of it, nor does the child, the adult child, feel comfortable enough to have those conversations address the issues, nor do they feel like they will be received or respected, right? Mm -hmm. So how does one release that resentment heal for themselves and their future and then create a space what what are they boundaries is it a perspective like how do you do that
0: well first of all you realize that it's not your fault that you deserve better because all children deserve to feel safe to be seen and heard um to feel loved those are Mm -hmm. basic human needs and and we all deserve to have that obviously there's no child that is born unlovable or you know too much to handle um so once you really deeply realize that you are worthy of that and you were worthy of that then you start to provide that for the child that you were and that's that's how Mm -hmm. healing looks like for everyone that's that's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing, honestly. That that it's simple in that way. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's simple. It's yeah. you start to give that child that recognition that you are worthy of love. You're worthy of being supported. You're you're worthy of happiness. Um, and and you provide that space for them to be seen and heard. And this is your own self. Like you have. Um, I always tell my clients to have a little photo of themselves next to the bed, to remind them to give that. Um, And and it's very simple. It's just you in your own head, just talking to that part of you that still lives in you. Your inner child Mm -hmm. is always inside of you. It's one of the parts. Mm -hmm. So a lot of issues obviously comes from when that part is not being seen, it's not being heard, it's not being loved. If, if you were an unloved child, um, you will probably push away love in your adult life until you give that unloved child the love that they want and need. Because um, there's no one else that's more important in your life than yourself. Of course, when you're really little, it's, it's supposed to be your caregiver, probably your mother, your father... But once you're an adult, there's no one that's more important than you. So if you have that inner child just screaming for love, wanting love, wanting acceptance, wanting support, but you're looking outside for a person to give that to you there's usually a lot of issues. There's a push and Mm -hmm. pull, there's sabotage, there's choosing people that can't give it to you, but trying to get them to give it to you. Like, I always say, you know- The
1: pattern. Yeah, you're
0: squeezing a stone for water. Um, Mm. and, And once you just make that little shift in a way, it's like, it's still the same mechanism. It's still, you're looking for love, you're looking for support, you're looking for acceptance. But you're not looking for anybody else to do it you're not looking for your parents to do it your parents had their window of opportunity and that was your childhood unfortunately or in a way very fortunately once you're an adult they can't give it to you anymore they had their window of opportunity once you're an adult even if they were to give it now it wouldn't make the same impact. The only person that can Mm -hmm. really make that impact once you're an adult is is yourself. You have to give Mm -hmm. it to yourself for it to really work, to really settle in that I love myself, I accept myself, I support myself, I listen to my needs. I'm worthy of having those needs. It's okay that Mm -hmm. I need things. It's okay that I want things. I don't always have to be right or good or do the things i should do right should Mm -hmm. is such a red flag in any internal dialogue and externally too if somebody tells you you should do that it it will just make you want to do the opposite so whenever you hear yourself saying should i should do that i shouldn't do that it's a very good time to stop and ask yourself do i want to do that because if you want to do it just say i want to do that and if you don't want to do it then you're not going to do it so there's no need to say i should because should creates that guilt and shame i should do it but i'm not going to do it right so yeah so these, this, this is the process of becoming your own best friend right you have to befriend that inner child you have to befriend mm-hmm. the part of you that was hurt that felt misunderstood and and offer that understanding that um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the inner child ever. And sometimes mm-hmm. when we first approach the inner child, there is that feeling of like, oh, it's a little monster. I've had people tell mm-hmm. me straight up, like, like it's a little toddler monster who just wants to wreck things. And then you you ask that little toddler mon- monster, like, what do you need? Why why are you you know? Um,
1: do you ask your clients under hypnosis? Do you do inner child work?
0: All the time. All the time. Perhaps. That's awesome. Perhaps the most common thing, honestly, that I do.
1: And so what does that look like? So let let me circle back. It sounds like the first step to becoming your own best friend and to really have this healing journey um, and to be able to really find love and have Intimacy and intimate relationships and healthy, loving relationships externally, you if you first have to acknowledge that one, you are worthy of love. And by you, it's really your inner child, yeah. Reparenting yourself. So it's an acknowledgement of deserving, an acknowledgement that you are worthy. And then it's taking responsibility that only you can do that for yourself, and to really let go of the external requirements and external expectations whether in the past present or future and really say this is an inside job yeah and then you know I was like there for a long time you know but I think the most amazing thing is that and why in particular having this conversation is so wonderful with you is because we can know all of this stuff and people can hear exactly what we're saying but it takes a lot to get over that hurdle of okay, now how do I really love myself? How do I embody loving myself? And how do I really change that inner dialogue to become my best friend? Um, Because I love that this conversation was you, because hypnotherapy is so excellent for it. Um, So can you explain to people what an inner child healing session looks like and why it works so well?
0: Yeah, it it comes back to what we talked about in the beginning. Like some people have, let's say they have a very severe illness. And in that moment of maybe almost dying, they suddenly realize, I love myself, right? I want to live there, you know, that Mm -hmm. can be how it happens. And it does happen like that for many people through loss and, and, you know, big, sometimes disastrous life changes comes a beautiful mind shift but if you want to create this it's not as simple as just listening to this podcast and being like you know to you listeners right now I realized that you it's not easy to just hear me say this and be like okay now I'm gonna love my inner child and everything is gonna be okay right Mm -hmm. so in hypnosis we do create that extremely relaxed State of mind where you're able to travel in time in your imagination and you're able to go back and actually meet with your inner child. Um, what a lot of people think it is is that you go back and you relive your experience mm-hmm. as a child, which actually can be very re traumatizing because, yeah, same-
1: it's a very, very important nuance.
0: Yeah. Let's say you had a very difficult time and you go back and you relive it. That might just cause even more suffering because you just experienced it again. Mm -hmm. So that's not what we do. You go back as your adult self, as the person you are now, having already survived So the fact that you're here today means that you made it out of that situation. Whatever it was, no matter how terrible that situation was and how long it went on for, it's over now. Because you're in a hypnosis session, completely relaxed, feeling completely safe, and you're able as an adult to go back and let that child know that it's over. You survived, and one of the main things that makes such a big difference is when you thank that child for making it. Because no matter how they coped, no matter what coping mechanisms they had to adapt to be able to live through what they lived through, they did it. They made it out. You are the living proof that they made it out. So when you come back and you say, I'm Ava, I'm from 2022 already just with that sentence, they know, holy shit, I made it. It's over. And then,
1: and you're, and you're creating emotions of resiliency, and you're creating a connection and a relationship between you and that inner child, which sometimes we look at as, like you said, the little monster or a burden, but instead, you're building this bridge and this connection and admiration and adoration and love. And I know for me, when I've done timeline and inner child therapy, it's, it's amazing because they build so much compassion towards her. Yeah. You know, so much empathy, so much pride. Like, I'm astonished at what she's been through at, as Danielle 2022. So, yeah, it's incredible. Because
0: your perspective, when you are in your childhood, and especially when you go through difficult things, you are forced to act way more as an adult than you're supposed to. So you're not allowed to be, um, you know, the age-appropriate age. And Mm -hmm. that creates a feeling that you're uh, not enough, that you're not good enough, that you're not doing enough, right? But when you get the perspective of going back as an adult and seeing, let's say it's a nine-year-old, you see, oh, the nine-year-old, she's so little, right? Her little Mm -hmm. arms, her, like, little body, she's a child. And Mm -hmm. the first time you meet with your... um, past self your child self it's usually a surprise how little and innocent they are and just mm-hmm. starting to compare if you know people that age if you have nieces and nephews or you know anybody in your life that's that age and seeing like wow look at this innocent child that was me mm-hmm. versus being inside that child when you lived it the first time and you just felt like you were not enough, that you were not able to heal your family or fix your alcoholic father or take care of your sister or whatever it was that was not age appropriate. Mm -hmm. Whenever we're giving um, tasks that are not age appropriate, it creates that feeling of not being responsible enough, not doing enough. So it's, it's a wonderful reminder that as a child, you're allowed to be the age that you were. And when you go back and you and you get that age difference and you as an adult, being responsible, being the person you are today, and allowing the child to be playful. Like when you go through trauma, you, you're not allowed to be very playful. A lot of times that's what you don't get to experience. In inner in child work, a lot of times we bring the kid to their favorite places you know some people want their hair braided some people want to you know do the roller skating or whatever it was that you wanted that you saw maybe other kids having with their parents but you didn't have and you can as an adult bring your kid in your imagination to get to experience that and letting them know that you don't have any responsibility or any not age appropriate responsibilities anymore, because I'm here as an adult, and I'm going to support you, protect you and make sure you're safe. So now it's safe for you to play and have fun and and be the age that you are.
1: So beautiful. And so I've experienced this on every level. So it's amazing to hear you articulate it so beautifully. And how does this impact people's lives like and how does it impact their lives and how quickly do they see those changes like is it you know is it an immediate yeah like removal of this pain or is this a process just so people can have a really tangible understanding of the work that is this healing process
0: it is an immediate feeling when you come back from that trance, typically you're like you feel that something has shifted you have created a pathway so to use like neuroscience we we have um, we have pathways in the brain and this is a pathway that you didn't have before you never went back before hmm. and supported that child but once you do it once there's a pathway and as we know Neurons that uh, fire together, wire together, right? So once there's a pathway, it's very easy to continue it. So so the hypnosis session is to create that first path, and then it becomes very easy for you to do this continuously. So it is a process, of course. Mm -hmm. You're going to continue to do this, and that little child is going to continue to pop up, and that's what we want. We want them to be present in your life.
1: And I think the beautiful thing is is that you don't have to necessarily go into a state of hypnosis to lubricate that channel to fire again. Yeah. It's really a process of reconnecting to inner joy, whether that means going for a swim in the swimming pool or coloring or watercoloring, doing something that is a little bit outside of the norm that connects you to that space of joy that's more like your inner child would than your adult self would do and those small little shifts for me myself have really helped me reconnect to her and find that joy that I had when I was just you know 10 9 8 7 even 5 4 I've reconnected all the way down there and it's Beautiful. been an amazing process. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah no, and so now been. it's now it's like jumping in the pool naked does it for me. It's yeah. great.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> so exactly. easy. You, you realize that you have these little urges to do silly things and you can see that mm. as that is your inner child wanting wanting mm-hmm. that. And and you can always humor them and, and do it as long as you know you're also the responsible adult, obviously. So you're not gonna do anything that's dangerous or harming anybody. But but yeah, it becomes automatic and the amazing thing about the inner child session is that a lot of times no they don't need me anymore it's like after that they're able to do it on their own i do work a lot with recordings so i always give my clients um a few recordings typically that help them maintain this connection and and just to really reinforce that new neural pathway Um, a lot of times we say, you know, three weeks of listening to a recording every night will, will really, really make that change very, very deeply rooted. So you're not just thrown back into some negative loop.
1: Mm -hmm. It's powerful. So we have just a few minutes more. Is there anything that you want to leave people with? And also what is your perspective or what is, what is your interpretation of rebellious reinvention?
0: Well, I think the inner child work is is actually... It's nice that we talked about that so much because I think the inner child work is a rebellious reinvention of Hmm. every aspect of you that was suppressed or denied during your childhood. And even for people that had, you know, very like quote unquote normal, like nice upbringing, right? There's always going to be little parts that were maybe not appropriate in that specific context they grew up, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And just when you do the inner child work and when when you realize, oh, that interest that I used to have, that hobby that I wanted to have or that I had secretly, I still have it and I want to do it again. Um, it's. It can really lead to very big life changes, very positive big life changes of. Um, not necessarily even shifting your career, but it could. But it could also just be, of you being more joyful, more playful, having more fun with it, being a little more like. Fuck it. Are, am I allowed mm-hmm. to curse? A of more. course.
1: <laughs> um, you're on Danielle Bigby's podcast. Yeah. You're allowed to curse. <laughs>
0: Say anything you want here. Yeah. And, and, and allowing, because when you allow the child to be exactly how they are, of course, within, <laughs> you know, with, within some, some parameters of not harming themselves or others. But when you allow that, you will bring that into your life. Like me as mm-hmm. a yoga teacher, I used to follow like a lineage, very like, very much convinced that somebody else had the answer and the more I studied it and the deeper I went into like the rules and the culture of that lineage the closer I would get to myself versus Mm -hmm. after the inner child work when I was like I know what to do I know who I am Mm -hmm. it's okay that I'm like that I don't have to be like my teacher or like somebody else I, I can just be me it's okay I don't have to make sense on all levels like we all have these um unexpected things about us that maybe doesn't align perfectly with with how you're supposed to be as a yoga teacher as a mom as you know a businessman as whatever it is that you are you kind of break out of the role a little bit which was just so liberating it feels so good so
1: liberating yeah
0: you're your authentic self and when you're your authentic self it's also so much easier to connect with people that was honestly the most beautiful thing that came out of at all was that the connections with other people were so much deeper because i'm vulnerable i'm myself i'm okay with expressing real first of all have the awareness of how i really feel and then expressing it and then you do the same and then we can bond very deeply versus Mm -hmm. us sitting here thinking you know what's appropriate for me to say now what do you want to hear now right it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to create deeper relationships in a way it's it's our like little flaws little um um, unexpected quirks that makes us Mm -hmm. more lovable and more connected
1: I truly, truly believe that. It's one of the things that I work with my clients on as well. Is when I was working with clients doing particularly marketing and branding strategy, it was something that we always dug into like, what is the most unique, unexpected, quirky, weirdest thing about you? And like, and I didn't really even recognize now that we're saying it, I kind of see how this relates to inner child work and connection to that, you know, that that, um, I don't want to use the word inner child again, but it's like that innocence. Yeah. It's the innocent piece of you that doesn't know any better. Like when you're like eight and awkward, yeah. like, you know, eight year olds are kind of awkward. They're yeah. like, they don't really have a perspective on themselves yet. And, um, and so I work with my clients on that. That's kind of like what we try to find. And so many of my clients that I've, I've, helped in that particular way for branding specifically like that's when their posts will go viral or that's when they're able to show up on camera or that thing is what connects them to the clients their clients especially like soulmate clients like real aligned clientele is because they're actually revealing who it is that they are and it somehow resonates outward to uh the people that feel the same you know So it makes us more relatable. Yeah. Such a great quality.
0: Perfection is boring.
1: Yes, it's so boring. It's (laughs) taken me years to figure that out. Let it be messy. Let just let like, choose something that makes you feel good about it and then move on with the rest hanging behind because it'll all come together eventually.
0: Yeah. I love the way that you work with branding. I mean, I was so inspired. That was one of the things that inspired me so much. Because I remember myself as a yoga teacher, you know, following all the rules, like showing up, being like, like you know wanting to be that like super calm like person that never gets you know uh, excited yeah. about anything in a way and and that's so not me it's not me at all so so what's yeah. so funny when i realized when i gained the awareness that like wow i'm playing a role like why am i playing mm-hmm. a role why am i not just showing up as myself and being um you know everything that brought me here which was not just yoga obviously there's so many other parts of me that are unrelated and
1: life experiences yeah and culture and taste and guilty pleasures you know you know just pleasure in general it shouldn't have guilt attached to it but pleasures in general that have been labeled taboo I know that that's just like I love you for that. You'll be like showing your red wine and your pizza on the Friday after your yoga class. And, you know, the boyfriend's there playing the drums and roomies running around and making mess with this food. It's just like so beautiful and so whole and so integrated, as was this conversation. Yeah. So thank you so much for being that person in real life and to your clients and to your community and to yourself, first and foremost. And thank you for being here and sharing all that with us. It was such a lovely, I want to reach over and help you. (laughs) We need to make that happen, like stat. We live in the same city. This is really bad.
0: Yeah. It's been too long. I love you so much, Danielle. And and I love you you too. You are so important to me. And uh, thank Thank you you. you for the inspiration that you've given me and just being authentic and showing up as I am.
1: Thank you so much for doing the same and just I love the the journeys that we've shared together. It's been really really intimate and beautiful. So I appreciate that. Where can people find you? Where what's your website? Where do you hang out on Instagram? Yeah. And yeah, I will link in the show notes your free quantum leap hypnotherapy session by the way. Oh
0: yeah, the the quantum healing the quantum that's healing. a great one to try if, if you want to try something that's just super positive feels very safe there's no like inner child work there's no like nothing that could be potentially triggering in any way it's just a super sweet hypnosis session that's free and that's also on my website but thank you for for linking to it yeah. so my website is just my name is E W A J O S E F S S O N dot com on Instagram, I'm EWA underscore hypnosis. I'm on Instagram a lot. So, and I have a lot of videos, little, um, little tips and tricks that you can check out. You can also DM. You can learn
1: so much from these videos. They're amazing. Thank you. Really well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time and let's make a date. Yeah, I would love that. Every week we have a reoccurring segment. I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with, above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Think, this week's rebellious perspective. What if we weren't meant to live a life of suffering, but to experience it and evolve from it? Sure, there are experiences that are painful unbearable even, but to only endure and go from one pain to another, I believe, is certainly not the purpose. The yoga texts describe five causes of suffering, which if you study these five kleshas, as they are called, your suffering falls within these five categories. And as we've learned through Avis conversation, awareness is the beginning of healing. And if you can identify these categories, you can find the resolution for your suffering. Ignorance is the misconception of your true reality. That is number one. So, anything that falls into that category. I amness, it's the definition of ourselves with our ego. We create a self image of ourselves that we believe is us, but it is not us. Attachment, it's attraction for things that bring satisfaction to oneself. Our desire for pleasurable experience creates mindless actions and blindsided vision. We cannot obtain what we desire, we suffer. Repulsion, number four, is the opposite. It's aversion towards things that produce unpleasant experiences. If we cannot avoid things we dislike, we suffer. And five, the will to live, and I think this is the most common and underlying condition that we all have. It's the deepest and most universal clelia, reminding us until our deaths we know that one day we will indeed die. Yet fear death is deeply buried in our fear of death is deeply buried in our subconscious. It also appears as fear of change or a desire to control the unknown. So, if you can identify where your suffering is today or in general you can begin to dig in and dissolve those obstacles. That is my think piece for today. And I will leave you with one book that I think you should read. Since we had Ava on today, I'd like to introduce a book called No Bad Parts, Healing Trauma and Restoring Wholeness. There's just one you. We've been taught to believe we have a single identity and to fear or shame when we cannot control the inner voices that don't match this idea of who we think we should be. Dr. Richard Schwartz <laughs> research now challenges his mono-mind theory. All of us are born with so many subparts Dr. Schwartz says, these parts are not imaginary or symbolic. They are individuals who exist inside an internal family system within us. The key to health and happiness is to honor, understand, and love every part. As always, the links will be in the show bio, and I will also link Ava's hypnosis session there for you to grab that as well. Have a beautiful day. Thanks. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tag us on Instagram.